If you have your Bible with you, if you look at uh, Galatians chapter 5, uh, many of us watched the uh, 2022 Oscars as Will Smith walked onto stage and appeared to slap comedian Chris Rock. And, you know, as I watched that, as I, as I listened to what uh, Will said later on, uh, I think the shame about his apology that he gave at that time was saying, but, you know, sometimes love makes you do crazy things. And, you know, the problem is that, unfortunately, is the same words that an abuser will use toward his wife or his children or other victims of his own abuse. And I think what is so sad to me is how many of our young people pick up that mentality. And then Will's reason becomes their excuse for violence. So either they say, well, it's in my genes. I was born that way. Or it was my upbringing. I was raised that way. I, I saw that happen in my home. Or it was my influence and my response from past trauma or events in my life. Or it was my perception based on my world. And you know, the best a lost person can do is let one of those excuses slide by as their own and be accepted because that is all they know how to do is to be who they are in the flesh. So the natural conclusion of our reasonable thinking is who can judge me or fault me for who I am in the flesh. And that is why this series on the Holy Spirit has been so important. It is important for your life, for your marriage, for your family, for your education, and for your future. Because here's our thesis for today's study. The most important thing in life is not for you to be who you are in the flesh, but for you and for me to be who we are while walking in the Spirit. So let me back into the backstory to this story here in Galatians chapter 5. Because earth's earliest churches did not have an all-regenerate, saved and born-again church membership. I mean, we, we hope to have as a Baptist church, and I, I don't care about making people Baptists, I want to make people Christians. But in terms of the church itself, one of the reasons that we know that our members are born again is because we make you show us that by getting baptized in front of us, like, like we'll do April 24th. We like to have baptisms the Sunday after Easter for those who might come on Easter and make a decision to trust Christ, and then they can show us that by getting baptized. But at this time in church history, the book of Acts and the epistles... The churches were composed of Gentile saints that Paul was making and Jewish disciples of John the Baptist. Now we saw that just a couple of weeks ago in Acts chapter 18 with Apollos because Apollos was a disciple of Jesus who initially, as a Jew from Alexandria, knew only the baptism of John, therefore knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit didn't indwell Saints in the Old Testament. And so the very next chapter, Acts chapter 19, Paul meets a dozen disciples in Ephesus who are just like Apollos. And when he gives them the gospel about being born again by believing in Jesus for everlasting life and how the Holy Spirit now will come in and indwell you, 
then once they got the Holy Ghost, he rebaptizes them over again. So what had happened was, between the two camps, these Galatian believers were living a thug life. And there was no fresh prince in their bel air, or fresh P-R-I-N-T-S either. I mean, he almost slapped the, ma- slapped the makeup off of him. I was <laughs> looking to see, can I see his, his hand on there? So, here in chapter 5, it's a clarion call and appeal for Paul to make to every one of us, every one of our young men, our young ladies, and all of us in here today. Watch, watch, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. See, God did not save you from sin so that you could stay enslaved to sin, or to Jewish rituals, or to Roman ideas of honor and disrespect, or to the world's false idea of what constitutes being a man or being a woman. Because here's our first point for study. God did not give you his son's life so you could be held hostage to this life. God did not release you from the guilt of sin so that you could still be bound by the power of sin in your flesh or in this world system. So if you are bound to carnality as a believer, then you have a fundamental misunderstanding of the liberty of the Holy Spirit. In the case of the Galatians, there were Christian Jews in the churches saying, look, since Jesus was a Jewish Messiah, I mean, he fulfilled all that, then Gentiles, now listen, you thought, you thought being slapped in front of God and everybody at the Oscars was bad. They said, look, Gentiles need to be circumcised. Ouch! Paul says, no, leave your enslavement to your old way of thinking, your old way of life, leave behind, if you are a Jew, the unliberated lifestyle regulated by ceremonies, sacraments, and rituals, which requires a priest, which Christianity does not have. Leave behind, if you are a Gentile, the lifestyle regulated by the street. Both of y'all are thugs in the flesh. But Jesus sent you the Holy Spirit to free you from all of that. See, this was one of the characteristics which defined those 12 disciples in Ephesus in Acts 19. They had not received the indwelling Holy Ghost. Therefore, they had no liberation from the law or from their old lifestyle. So they were disciples, but they couldn't become saints because they had no indwelling Holy Ghost. 2 Corinthians 3, there on your handout, verse 17 says, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. God liberates us by grace to fulfill His purpose for eternity, and this is our second, second point for study. Because what that means is freedom in the Spirit is where you become what God created and redeemed you to be by walking in the Spirit. See, freedom affects your flexibility to do all that God wants you to do by walking in the guidelines He established. And that is why the only thing that ever makes your life work 
is following God's instructions. Not whatever you see on the internet, on Facebook, what your friends are recommending to you, what you find in the self-help aisle of the bookstore. See, what, what people call freedom today is really just another way to be enslaved. And so we want to become enslaved. We want to be free to become enslaved to abuse. Uh, when we say, you know, I want to have an open marriage, well, that means you want to be free to become enslaved to lust and to your passions. Well, you know what? I, I want to be free to play the keyboard today. I mean, this is my church. I think, I think I should be able to play the drums if I want to. Now, I could, I could try and do that, but I don't, I don't think it would keep you in the groove. I don't think you'd stay in the groove the Holy Spirit put us in uh, through Holy, Holy Ghost worship. I think that would last about one Sunday, and then you wouldn't come back because I don't know the rules. So I would make noise, but I would not make music. I mean, if I wanted to be free today to make music like Billy Eyebrow, I mean Eyelash, or Beyonce or Reba, and, you know, I know there's a Lady Gaga, I'm just wondering who Lord Gaga is, and, well, if I wanted to do that, I'd have to take lessons so I'd know the rules for the instruments. So true freedom means finding the Bible principles which make your life Fulfill God's will on this planet and accomplish his purpose for eternity. And I know Sammy Davis Jr. sang, I've got to be me. And Frank Sinatra sang, I'll do it my way. And the Backstreet Boys sang, I want it that way. And then Meatloaf sang, I do anything for love, but I won't do that. And these are all calls for false freedom. So getting out of your bondage is a Holy Spirit issue. Watch, this is our third point for study. Freedom comes when you let the Spirit of God be the Lord in your life. So Because the Lord is that Spirit, and the Spirit is that Lord. And when you receive Jesus, therefore you receive His Spirit. And His Spirit is the Holy Spirit, and you've got to let Him be Lord. And the job of the Spirit is to produce freedom of movement, because He is the anointing oil that makes true spirituality easy, not unopposed, but easy. Because it is his job to provide motivation and compulsion and internal admonition. And if he is not doing that, it is because something in you is hindering him. You know, we had an election where people were focused on freedom. You know, we need to be free from this or that political or economic or social oppressor. And yet those same people never arrive at personal and spiritual freedom in this life. When you do not have God's rules as a structure, when you do not have God's spirit as a motivator and the empowerer, then you will be somebody's slave. You will be slave to your flesh, to this world, or to the devil himself. And that is why Paul says in verse 2, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Now he's talking to those baptized by John, but as yet unfilled with the Holy Ghost disciples who, who think they can get saved by repenting and then returning to the old kingdom. And further saying, 
that all the Gentiles need to return with them. He says not only is Christ no benefit and his gift of freedom squandered, but look at verse 4. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. Ye are fallen from grace. So if you give up being justified by faith, and instead I'm going to get circumcised, I'm going to do this and that, get justified by the law, Paul says, you know, we run across a lot of verses in the Bible that they seem hard to understand. Sometimes this is one. And our style today is to trust modern translators, not really uh, to translate accurately what God is saying, but to give us a translation that is really an interpretation. And the goal of all modern translators is to rewrite the words of God so that even a lost man can comprehend them without the aid of preaching, without the aid of the Holy Ghost, I mean, without even being born again. So the ESV says, you are severed from Christ, which obviously means they think you were in Christ and then lost your salvation. Oh, boo. Translations like the New King James say, well, you were just attempting to be justified by the law, despite the Greek saying something different. Oy vey. I mean, I guess I do not know of a modern version that does not in some way corrupt this verse in trying to explain it. Bless their hearts. And you know, the King James is so much easier, so much easier to understand than all those versions. Because every hard word, every hard phrase, every hard concept is always explained for you right in the context. Okay, watch, watch. What does it mean to be fallen from grace? Well, it means that Christ has no saving effect on you. Why is the grace of Christ not able to save you? Well, look at verse 3. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that is trying to be justified by the law. But he is a debtor to keep the whole law, and good luck with that. I mean, since you put your faith not in the finished work of Christ on the cross for you, but in getting circumcised, wait, 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 or being baptized under repentance, or temple work as a Mormon, or uh, track distribution with the Jehovah's Witnesses, or keeping the Sabbath, or the Golden Rule, or the Sermon on the Mount, and you're trying to use that, For God to justify you, then God's grace cannot save you. Paul's clear from other places. Just read in the appropriate cross-references, Romans 11, 6. And if by grace, then it's no more of works, not ceremonies, not sacraments, not rituals, not the mass. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it's no more grace. It is no more grace for you. It is no saving grace. You've fallen from grace. So these people were not saved to start with. Galatians 5.4 is easy to understand if you just leave it alone and do some simple English Bible exegesis. But it is corrupted by every modern translation out there. And my concern is for those of you who are in here today and you are saved and yet you still operate your life as if it were not a walk in the Spirit. Clearly, you will not be free until you start to think free. 
I mean, it's kind of like getting married. I say so many people, you may not feel you're married. You may not want to be married. You may have a dysfunctional marriage, but let's get back to reality, eh? You are so avoiding your biblical role as a married person that you can't see what God wants you to do through the marriage that you're in. So you will not think free until you are told how free you are in the Holy Spirit. Your emotions and your perceptions are both subject to your mind. So if your mind is not disciplined to think God's own thoughts after him, then both your emotions and your perceptions will be false and they will deceive you. We've had a couple of dogs over the years, and, and not that many, but uh, our last dog was uh, free, uh, was a gift, because I wouldn't spend money to get one. But you know, what I learned was, even though it was given to us, it's, you still had to pay for its shots, it had to take pills, you had to get you know, stuff for keep bugs off of it, and so it was not totally free. There was overhead. Those of you who do spend money on pets... I mean, you first go to the pet store and you pay for that animal's freedom. And his freedom is purchased, so now you reach into the cage to set him free. But, you know, you find some dogs, they've been locked up so long, when they get freedom, they don't know how to exercise it. And so they shrink back into the corner, preferring to remain a slave in familiar surroundings than be liberated in unfamiliar ones. And Jesus looked down through history. He saw you trapped in this life, in that family, with these people, in this society. And he went to the Father and he said, Father, I will pay the price. But then he reached out to set you free. And you were so used to being locked up in your flesh and locked up in your carnal way of thinking, and caged in your old friendships, and relying on your old dependencies, and Jesus swung the door open and you shrunk back. So you may not be set free just yet, but Galatians 5.1 and John 8.32 are still true when they say that the truth has made you free. Jesus has made you free. And any attempt to be free which does not flow out of the Holy Spirit's liberty only brings you back into a different style of bondage. If you want to really be free, you've got to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. So, so let me start off today showing you what we are set free from. Let's get jiggy with it, not just wrap in generalities today. Uh, what are the things that God will set you free from? I mean, this is so big. You better get this. This is life to you because first, first, he will set you free from bondage to the flesh. Romans chapter 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. But because we feed our flesh, instead of ignoring our flesh, we feel like it's still got a lock on us. Because we won't just ignore the flesh and go on walking in the Spirit. We feel like it's got its hooks in us and we can't get out and we can't get away. But if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord, a new man was placed inside your old body. 
And you must walk in the Spirit by two things, two key things. Watch, watch, two key things, Ephesians 4.24. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Then Colossians 3.10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So you must put him on, Ephesians 4.24. And then you must renew him daily in knowledge of God's words, Colossians 3.10. Because according to God's definition, let me hit you with this definition biblically, your flesh is your unregenerate humanity and your unredeemed human nature, which is corrupted with sin. And the law of the Spirit is what sets you free from this law of bondage to sin. So it's not like, you don't have to deny your honor and respect. You don't have to exit contemporary culture. But you do have to be crucified in Christ and walk in the Spirit. Because at the bottom line, you can't deny your flesh without walking in the Spirit. So if you're ever going to be free... It is because you recognize there's another power at work in you which is not you. And you give it control. That spirit brings a new law at work in your life, superseding the old and suppressing the old. What else does the spirit set us free from? This is number two, the expectations of others. Romans 14, 17, you know, in God's house, in his kingdom, freedom comes not from uh, what people tell you on the outside, but from what God tells you on the inside. It comes from the righteousness of Christ living through you. It comes through living by the faith of Jesus Christ, like Galatians 2.16 says. And we spend so much time worrying about what others think, and we never get around to knowing what God wants. People who need people are the unluckiest people in the world and the unhappiest overall. So here's our fourth point for study. God expects you to be a people lover, not a people pleaser. Your first responsibility is not to please your peers. It is to please your Lord. And if you lose acceptance from God, you have no power. Because the Spirit of God is only here to glorify the Son of God, Jesus. John 16, 14. So learn to listen to people, learn from people, and love people. But when it comes to living your life, God is not going to ask you, did you do what Chris or Will told you to do? Uh, When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, he's going to say, look, this was my plan for ministry for you right there. That word right there, that spot at that church. And yet after I opened the cage, you you would not do it. From what else does the Spirit set us free? Now, here's a big one. Number three, the past. Are you living in past failures that you've never forgotten? Well, then you're living in past hurts that you will not let heal. And you keep swallowing Satan's bait to remember and to feel it all over again. So let me help somebody out up in here. Your brain is like a computer and your conscience can either be a delete button 
or a recall button. That is the purpose of your conscience. And our problem is we keep pressing recall and reliving the hurts and failures of the past. And we put it on endless loop. So here's another big thing the Spirit sets us free from. Number four, anxiety. I mean, we worry about what we're going to worry about next. And then we get worried if we're not worrying. So that means you've not allowed the Spirit of God to have full control of your thought life. Hello, somebody. See, instead, I mean, God gives you the answer. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. See, worry means you're dominated by an issue in your mind. So you are now impeding the ability to function by grace in the Holy Spirit at all times. And that is sin. Here's what people come back with. But Alan, I mean, it's just normal. Well, yeah, but not for the Spirit-filled Christian who knows their Bible. It's only normal for the world. But Alan, I was born that way. I mean, I, my, whole, my whole family is a family of warriors. Okay, but you've been born again, and your new family, your eternal family is in Christ. You are just lazy because it is easier to worry and get self-pity than it is to have faith. So you can say amen or you can say oh me, and they'll never know. Person next to you, you never know which one you're saying. Prayer is your alternative to anxiety, and prayer in the Spirit will cancel out worry as you give things to God and let Him keep it. I mean, God gave you the Spirit to calm you in the storm, and while the Holy Spirit does not remove the turbulence, He does put His hand on your heart in order to steady you in the bumps. What else can you be free from if you trust Jesus today? Number five, materialism, which is the modern word for coveting or the word for the economy. Stupid. Hebrews 13, verse 5, let your conversation, which in a King James context means your lifestyle, be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So stop being covetous. That's worrying about money. Start being content, because after all, you have Christ. A walk in the Spirit enables you to trust in the sufficiency of Christ. And that is why people can give even out of their poverty, because they have the faith to know. That if they believe God for the first 10%, they give God what is His, then He's going to bless the other 90% to cover their needs or give them perfect peace even in the lack. So one more thing, and then I'll let you go. Because if you're here and you're not asleep, I know just what you're saying. You're saying, but Alan, look, how can I get liberated? I, I know it's by God's Spirit, but what exactly is He going to use? You cannot leave without this today. So first off, notice, if you will, this is number one. You must trust God's promise of freedom. John chapter 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, 
And the truth shall make you free. Verse 36. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Believe what God says is true and step out of that cage today. Start saying, Lord, I'm going to step back from this situation. I'm going to detach my emotions. I'm going to disassociate from the world and the flesh in this life. And I'm going to act like the free person you told me I am. You have to begin to think free so that you can walk free. So begin now telling your mind what God wants you to tell your soul. That is not the power of positive thinking. That's power of biblical thinking of the words of God, of the mind of Christ. There is power from God's word when it is read, meditated on, and claimed. Then second, second on the other hand, this is number two, you must commit yourself to discipleship. God will not free you today just so you can half-step with him tomorrow. He recreated you. That means 2 Corinthians 5.17. He wants everything to change. So Christianity will only work for you if you belong to all of him. So give all yourself to all of him so that he can be for all of you. And you can only be free when you understand that is Christ calling on your life. And if you're compromising on that, you're never going to be fully free. Number three, be ready to forgive. Confess that you've been holding on to something for so long, it's now holding on to you. Then repent, let it go, so God can, can then let you go. Number four, walk in the Spirit. Look down at verse 16. Here, Galatians 5. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Same thing, verse 27. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Well, it means, it means a step-by-step relationship in dependency on what God is doing and not what you can do for yourself. And that's why you've got to pray without ceasing and, and bring God into everything all day long. The more praying, the more walking in the Spirit. So in the final analysis, this is number five. Serve the Lord and love people. Back in chapter 1 of Galatians, at verse 10, Paul says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. You know, the story is told about a young lady. She met, a, you know, she met a, a charming, Prince Charming, a charming, handsome young man. And they got married and they had several years together, wedded bliss. And, but suddenly her husband died and she just couldn't bear life without him. So what she did was she, she embalmed Bernie and she brought him home. And she would set Bernie at the breakfast table in the shade uh, with her every morning. And she'd say, good morning, Bernie. Uh, would you like anything to eat? And she propped him up beside the jukebox. And she asked, what would you like to hear next? Can I fill, fill your glass? And, and Bernie offered no reply, but she was just devoted to Bernie. Well, one year she took a vacation to Europe and she met Bill. And Bill just seemed so alive. And she fell in love with Bill, and in a whirlwind romance, they got married on the beach in Italy. And when they got back home, Bill opened the door, and he, he picked her up to carry her across the threshold, and he almost dropped her on her can because he looked smack dab into the face 
of Bernie. He said, who's this? She said, well, that's, that's my old man. Bill said, well, let me tell you something. Uh, me and Bernie cannot occupy the same premises. Either we're going to bury Bernie and, and I'm going to become your new husband or else I'm going to make my home someplace else. And I don't see why you didn't get that. Because a lot of us have Bernies in our head. We have Bernies in our head. Dead things hold us hostage. Dead things keeping us down. Dead things having enslaved us when Jesus is our new man. So do you want Bernie or do you want Jesus? Do you want the old way or do you want the freedom which comes from your new husband who gives you his spirit? Get saved today and the spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes you free. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Will you get saved right now? Will you just go ahead and get saved today? I mean, you can get all of this starting today. And all you have to do is pray. All you have to do is make that same heart contact, your soul, with Christ, your creator. And you do that by prayer and just pray and say, Jesus, I trust you. I trust you today for everlasting life. And I know today that anything else, any other ladder I'm trying to use to get up to heaven, it does not measure up to God's glory. And it falls short of your grace. So I'm going to trust in the finished work of Christ for me on the cross I'm going to simply believe you for what you promise me, everlasting life. I believe Jesus, so I receive Jesus right now and eternal life through his Holy Spirit. God, save me for Jesus' sake and make me born again in Jesus' name. When you give Jesus your life, he gives you his life. And the Holy Spirit will now fill you as you get into his word. So if you prayed today, come up and meet me or one of our altar counselors here at the front, either during the song or after we get done singing. I want to give you a copy of my book, Next Steps. Next Steps for the New Believer. I want to show you the next steps in the Christian life. And then sign up to be discipled at the desk in the lobby on your way out. 